because there's an element of control in in having that empowerment not allowing yourself to just let other people be the way they are which you know makes you vulnerable welcome to normalizing non-monogamy the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 268. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have a beautiful interview with Stephanie. Stephanie is a filmmaker, writer, and performer, and we just have a wonderful conversation about self-discovery, navigating relationships, and just learning along the way. Yeah, this is a great conversation, as Emma just said. And one of the things we actually really love about Stephanie and, and her work is she made an amazing film called Lust, Life, Love that is loosely based on her journey. Again, it's loosely based on it. And one of the one of the really cool things we do in this episode is sort of weave in the film and her story and sort of talking about the the comparisons and contrast the, the real life aspects of it versus sort of the the sensationalized pieces of it. But it's a really, really well done film that covers a lot of different aspects of polyamory in a very real way. And, yes. And we really appreciated that and the vulnerability. So thank you, Stephanie, for doing that work, putting it out there, and being so vulnerable. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And just a quick note, you do not have to watch the film before listening to this episode. However, we strongly encourage you to bo- do both. The episode, the podcast episode is richer if you watch the film, and the film's richer if you listen to the podcast. So either order, but we encourage you to do both. You have to make a podcast sandwich. Yes, sure. Film, film, podcast, film. Yes. Wonderful. Pod- podcast again. Sure. Why not? But links to watch Stephanie's film, Lust, Life, Love, are in the show notes available at normalizingnonmonogamy.com. And with that, we're going to jump right into the conversation for all of our premium subscribers. And for the rest of you, we've got a couple of quick announcements. First up, what is a premium subscriber? Well, a premium subscriber is somebody who gets to listen to the episode without listening to these amazing, wonderful, fun, and hilarious announcements up front. Wow, you're really selling the premium subscription. (laughs) I'm trying to sell everything. (laughs) Well, the good news is you can sign up for the premium subscription and still not skip. It's just a way to support the show. It is the way to support the show. You skip our announcements up front, but you also get important dates and reminders about things coming up in the outro. So as a way to convince you, we're going to be really dull and boring in this intro. (laughs) We'll do our best. All right. So the next thing is we have a meet and greet. Uh Links to sign up for the subscription. (laughs) I really don't want them to sign up, clearly. I'm not even telling you where. Right on our homepage, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Scroll down, you'll see links there or in your podcast player show notes for this episode uh, where you can find all that information about Stephanie and her work, photos of Stephanie, and uh, other amazing things on the podcast show notes page. Yes. Next up. I was, I was already here. You're already here. I've already been here. You catch up. 
Next up, we have a virtual meet and greet coming up tomorrow. That's December 29th, 2022. It's tomorrow night. We'd love to have you join us. These are open to anyone. You just must be open-minded and respectful. They're just a super fun way to just come and chat with people, meet like-minded individuals. They're low-pressure environment. We have so much fun with these. The theme tomorrow, we just started adding some fun themes to these events. The theme tomorrow is holiday potpourri. Interpret as you wish. You can dress up in whatever holiday you want to dress up in. And or whatever just, combination of Or holiday. combination. Just have fun with it and dress up or the theme is not required to join. Don't worry. Also, to sign up, go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com and click on the events tab. And if you happen to miss the one this week, don't worry. We'll have another one in January. But we well, encourage you to come this week. We do. Because this is this is really a good way to get a jump start on your New Year's resolution. Of meeting more people? If you're one of those Finding people. community? It's either your New Year's resolution of meeting more people or spending more time on Zoom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely so the latter. You're going to want to get a jump start on that. And we promise it's actually fun Zooming. It is. It's super fun. The other the other fun things, we have lots of fun things. We're we fun do. people. We do. We're fun havers. <laughs> our community, our virtual community, which used to be the Patreon community, is now on a different platform, Mighty Networks. And we just wanted to say a huge thank you to everybody for this entire year of being a part of the community, making the transition with us, and being awesome humans. We have a men's group, a women's group. We do monthly calls. We have a weekly men's group too now. We have a lot of stuff going on. It's awesome. The new platform is awesome, and we're just really thrilled uh, to have this community, and we're grateful. So thank you all. Yes, thank you so much. We appreciate all of you. As a way to say thank you and as a way to celebrate... On January 28th, we are doing an in-person weekend gathering in San Francisco in the East Bay in the Berkeley area. Again, that is the weekend of January 28th. We know this isn't accessible to everybody, but we just wanted to throw it out there for people listening who are part of the community or maybe people who aren't part of the community that would love some in-person action you can go join the community. Yeah. So yeah, just to be clear, you need to be part of the community to join these events on January 28th. We're super excited about this. We have a lot of fun things planned and just really fun to like hang out with everybody. When you say fun things, we spoiler have, alert. Spoiler alert. We have a yoga class and we have a pole dancing class and we just have a meet and greet. And dinners and drinks. Dinners and drinks. So yeah, it's going to be kick ass and we'd love to have you join us. So again, information is posted in the Mighty Networks platform. And if you want to join the community, you go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. You click on the community tab, you fill out the short application and voila, you're in. Boom. Boom. That simple. That's it. The, and it only costs five bucks a month, by the way. We that, forgot to say that. That is true. At least I think we forgot to say that. We probably did. We forget <laughs> a lot of things. The very last thing that we're not going to forget is our favorite affiliate partner, stdcheck.com. The reason we're telling you this is because it is currently December 28th, if you're listening to this real time, and you actually still have time to get tested before you go to your New Year's Eve soirees. You do. Go today. Go right now. Hey, hit pause. Go get tested and then come back and listen to Stephanie's episode and then watch her movie tonight. Using the links on our website supports the show. So thank you very much for doing that. And you get a $10 discount making the panel only $129. For 10 panel tests. Yes. We've we've covered the math. That's $12.90 a test. Good job. You're welcome. <laughs> so go check it out. It's super easy and fast. Again, links are on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the resources tab or on any one of the podcast episodes. You will see links and you will you will be grateful that you did this. And with that, let's go. Wait, real one, quick. One more thing. Quick reminder, reach out to us, send us a voicemail, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to hear any feedback if you want to be a guest on the show. 
Yeah. You don't have to be a, a, a filmmaker to come on the show. No. You, you just can... have to be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's the requirement. <laughs> awesome person. The other thing, you know what you can do while you're over there contacting us? Mm. On our website, by the way, normalizednonmonogamy.com. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> <laughs> you could send us a testimonial. Yes. Maybe even just one about how much you love the show or if you've used STD check or maybe you're part of the community. We would love, love, love to have some feedback from you on what you think of us and all of the things that we talk about. And then maybe if you're cool with it, we'll use it in the intro here and we'll talk less and you can talk more. Yeah, that would be fantastic. And with that, we will stop talking in this intro and we will go and talk to Stephanie. All right, here we go. Welcome, Stephanie, to the podcast. We're excited to talk to you today. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. We'd love for you to start just by introducing yourself and telling us, telling listeners, who is Stephanie? Yeah. Hi. So, Stephanie, I am a writer, filmmaker, actress, and singer, and I'm here to talk about a film that I made called Lust Life Love, which is inspired by my experience of polyamory and non-monogamy. And it's a film about a 30-something woman who is a sex blogger. She writes about her her polyamorous lifestyle. And she meets a monogamous guy who um, she's immediately attracted to, and she brings him into her world. Uh, and then once he gets into it, things get very complicated and, uh, <laughs> challenges her, uh, her whole sense of identity and her beliefs about relationships. So, yeah. And yeah. It, and it, and it was flawless. There was no issues. Polyamory was easy mm-hmm. and, and, and everyone lived happily ever after. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a fairy tale. <laughs> Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it it was a, it was a wonderful film. Emma and I watched it last night, and it was it was just I would just say like done very well. I was telling her when we were watching it, like we we've, we've often go looking like on we scroll through Netflix or we scroll through whatever Amazon, and we're like, where are the movies about this that like represent it and and we 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 finally had one just we just had one emailed to us and we're like hey this is way easier we'll we'll have it and people just email them to us so yeah thank thank you for the work and and we're excited to kind of dig in because i know throughout it i was like what parts of this are like fictional and what parts of this are like the inspiration and Mm. so we'd love to hear maybe a little bit like going back in time for you where where did non-monogamy come into your life for the first time hmm yeah, well, in my 20s, yeah, I I would say that I, I always felt like it was something that I questioned. You know, monogamy was always something that I questioned because I would have, like, all these different attractions as a teenager. I'm like, oh, how could there just be one? But at the same time, you know, you know I was programmed, like, all of us to, to believe that there's just one person out there. And then um, in my early 20s, that's when I started to um, explore um, bisexuality. And and then a few years later, I uh, heard about some parties in New York City, some sex parties. And uh, a friend of mine invited me to one. Actually, before that, I was in a relationship that where my partner 
was very encouraging of um, me exploring my sexuality. And so um, my first threesomes were with him and, and, and women. And, and then that relationship was not working and I wanted more exploration. He wanted to like kind of shut it down at that point. And so that's when I really started like late twenties. I started really getting more interested in exploring non-monogamy. And, and then when I was 30, uh, I met someone who was not from that world at all. Um, but we had really intense chemistry and started dating. And at that time I was also I dating a, a few other people. I was at that time mm-hmm. like practicing, I guess what would be called solo polyamory where I didn't have a mm-hmm. primary partner, but I had multiple relationships that were all aware of each other. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and then so this new relationship started in that context. Um, but then he like the, so he inspired the character Daniel in the film mm-hmm. where he had only had monogamous experience, um, pretty vanilla, but was very curious, very intrigued about my experience. And, um, he also was married when we met and had this don't ask, don't tell relationship with his wife. His, the, it was a sexless marriage. Um, so he had kind of consent to be with me. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, so we dated for many months and I, you know, my other relationships kind of fell away and I wanted more from him, but he was, you know, still in this marriage that was like an obstacle. Mm -hmm. So I confronted him about that and, and then he ended up deciding to divorce his wife. Um, not for me, but like, it was more about himself and realizing that that's Mm -hmm. what needed to happen. And yeah, so that's, that's the backstory. Um, this, the movie, the movie is inspired by that relationship, which I mean, we, he became my husband. Uh, and unfortunately now we're separated. So that is the sad truth of now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the, the truth behind the film is, uh, the, the relationship I had with someone who, um, I, who did not have experience with polyamory and monogamy. And I, kind of seduced him into into my world and we had a lot of experiences together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the, the other, and the other characters in the film, you know, were somewhat inspired by other relationships. Um, like the two other partners, um, that the character I play, Veronica, her two other partners at the beginning of the film are inspired by, you know, kind of amalgams of partners that I had. And yeah, but the, I mean, you know, the basic narrative is, is yeah. very truthful, but the details of, 
you know, events and scenes and time timeline of how things happen. Sure. Yeah. Know, that's, that's very, all changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Made for the movie. Right. Yeah. 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 I definitely want to dig into more around that relationship, but I was curious, like backing up a little bit to some of your first experiences mm-hmm. with non-monogamy. And you said you kind of always questioned monogamy and mm-hmm. the, what were those experiences like for you? Did you feel like, Oh, this is, you know, this is me, this is who I am or kind of like mm-hmm. just exploring curious about it all kind of, I'm just, mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit more about that time and that exploration in your life? Yeah, I just felt that there was more out there and and that there was just a queerness within me that I had not was not fully aware of, you know, when I was younger and grew up with a very a very repressed family and culture and you know with with religion and so it was not it was not something that was okay to be, you know, there weren't really any out queer people in my high school, um, talking about the nineties here, uh, mm-hmm. and in suburban New Jersey. <laughs> um, <laughs> and after living in New York city for a few years, you know, it's, and also I had studied in France when I was in college. So that really opened me up. Um, and, and as we've heard, it can do. <laughs> yeah. And had had a really beautiful love with a French guy who um, really opened me up sexually. And, and that's kind of when I started to be feel curious about being with women and, you know, pursuing that. Um, and I brought it up with him and he was intrigued, but we never explored it together in that relationship. So when I was in my twenties in New York city and the first, the first experience was, you know, it was me and my boyfriend and, and his friend and her boyfriend. And we all in this house together, like country retreat and started, you know, playing all these sex games <laughs> and, um, that we were inspired by this, this book called my secret life, which is, a as like a Victorian erotic diary that was published by anonymous. Um, and you know, there are these, you know, kinky games in there and we kind of acted them out and had some group sex. It was my, my first experience being with a woman was in a group setting and it was like mind blowing. It was just, wow, this feels like, this feels so right to me. It, it feel I feel like so much freedom and a sense of satisfaction, just beyond you know sexual satisfaction. It just felt like connection. You know the different the different feelings that different people can inspire, and how how we can share sexuality with more than one person and have it not be threatening. And yeah, so I just continued to embrace it and it only became threatening to me when I was in love with this guy, uh, who started to be like, so into it that it felt threatening to me. (laughs) 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is interesting that, and that was many years later. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so the, the first handful of, you know, many years that you explored non-monogamy, mm-hmm. those, it sounds like those feelings didn't come up as much for you. It was more about the exploration and yeah. just like embracing this. And, mm-hmm. um, well, I was, I was even going to ask. So in the film, you, you sort of portray yourself as, and not to give too much away, but very like eager, like in the mm-hmm. beginning of the film, you're like, Hey, do you want to go to chemistry? Hey, do you want to go to chemistry? Hey, do you want to go to chemistry? Mm-hmm. Like you're anybody you can find that yeah. you can ask. And, and for anybody listening, like chemistry is, is a, is one of the clubs in New York city. And we figured we'd, we'd throw a little love their way in yeah. this episode. Um, yeah. uh-huh. And so that's sort of like the primary club you, you, you frequent throughout the film, but you're sort of like the driver, like who wants to go? I want somebody to go. And like, you, you almost meet like anybody and everybody you're like, you want to go, you want to go. And I'm just curious that drive, mm-hmm. it sounds like it's been a drive for you to kind of get more. And you said like, even with the, when you partnered with the person who was represented by Daniel, like you kind of were like, I wanted more and I kind of pushed for more. It, it mm-hmm. seems like sort of an undertone. I'm just curious if, yeah. If you could speak to that a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, I just want to differentiate between me, Stephanie, and the character Veronica in the film. Because even for though, sure, for sure. Even though the story is inspired by my life, there is a separation between me and the character. So um, like the character, so I wanted to give to the character to make the arc very clear that mm-hmm. Yeah. At the beginning, she's all about, she's, it's all about her empowerment, right? That this mm-hmm. lifestyle empowers her. Yeah. It's, it defines her. It, it makes her feel strong and, and, you know, un, and, and unvulnerable. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's why she gets off on like bringing other people in yep. to it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then as, as this, story goes on we discover that there is a flaw in that right Mm -hmm. because there's an element of control and in in having that empowerment like not Mm -hmm. allowing yourself to not allowing yourself to just let other people be the way they are which you know makes you vulnerable, and so that's what what I was really trying to communicate through. Um, sure, the film, yeah, yeah, and I, I I appreciate you pointing that out. Like I wasn't trying to say it was a like a documentary, right. of, of but <laughs> like I was, I guess maybe the curiosity was, and and didn't really ask it. Great was, is that was that sort of drive or that empowerment, something that you experienced yeah. as you started to like, is that sort of mirrored yes. in your life as you started to do that? And I don't know if the question is like, where did that come from? But mm-hmm. it's so conditioned out of, especially women to be okay and forward with their sexuality and mm-hmm. driven to go to spaces like that and sort of yeah. embrace it. And yet you've sort of, it sounds like flown in the face of that. Yeah. I mean, and that's the whole positive side of it, right? I'm not dismissing the empowerment of, mm-hmm. you know, feeling empowered in one's sexuality. W- women, female identifying 
people feeling that empowerment and, 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 you know, taking initiative and bringing other people in, um, that's all wonderful. And, but, you know, it needs to be balanced with vulnerability and self, Mm -hmm. like self-worth that's not based on, you know, my sexual prowess or whatever. Right. 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 Which is sort of how it gets, sort of how it gets portrayed is you, I don't want to say you seduce, but in some ways you kind of seduce people into it and then, mm-hmm. and, and then it goes from there. So yeah, it's, it's, I appreciate the the conversation on that because mm-hmm. that was something that came up for me a few times. I'm like, damn, this woman is just like, she, she's kind of fearless mm-hmm. in that sense of like, right. I, I'm going to go, I'm going to have a good time and I'm going to meet whoever and do whatever. Yeah. And then like you said, yeah, there is the the dark side of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely based on my experience and me like in retrospect, understanding more about the nuances of how I was presenting myself, you know? Yeah. 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 I appreciate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you find you, so, cause you said before you met the monogamous person mm-hmm. um, in your life before that you were in different relationships, but also practicing solo poly. Did you find that that relationship dynamic fit well for you at that time? The solo poly. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't even know there wasn't even a word for it back then. I, right. yeah. <laughs> uh, it did for me because I was in the beginning of my exploration of polyamory and mm-hmm. I wasn't seeking a primary partner necessarily. I was just really high on experiencing love in all its forms <laughs> and mm-hmm. it was also safer for me to I I it was kind of like um insurance against heartbreak and I think that's what a line in the film like heartbreak insurance um that when you have more than one relationship if one falls apart you're not alone which is where I am now. And it's very, very painful, but it's kind of a necessary, it's a necessary to experience that. I think to be a whole person, to be like truly alone sometimes with, without yeah. a romantic partner is what I mean by alone. Right, right. 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 Yeah. Thanks for that clarification. And so at that time in your life, the, you know, that kind of solo poly dynamic worked, but then how did that shift as you went into this other mm. relationship for yourself? Yeah. Good question. I just became, I was so in love. I, I, I was less interested in, in being with other people and, and the fact that he was wanting to date other people was like, made me like want him more, you know, <laughs> it made me want to like yeah, pull, pull yeah. him in tighter because it was threatening, like the, the threat of him going off and being with other people of maybe preferring other people, preferring someone else. Yeah. I was just like moving into a different 
different desires, different needs. And it's not that I wanted monogamy, but it, it was very confusing to me because like, wait, I don't want monogamy. Why is this so hard for me? Like wanting, wanting him to have this freedom, but then feeling awful about it, believing in it theoretically, but in my heart, like feeling so conflicted. And so eventually, eventually I I told him that I, I couldn't be with him anymore if he wanted to date other people without me, like we could have non-monogamous sexual experiences together and as a, and maybe at some point date other people. But right now I, I, I can't, it was, it was just, it just, I, I wasn't strong enough to, to handle that. And, um, it sounds like you're like, you're craving the security and yeah. like forming that security in that relationship. Yeah. And, and, yeah, the the problem was that we we didn't it didn't start with the, that foundation. So the relationship mm-hmm. started with the, all this exploration, and it was always non-monogamous and polyamorous. So you know, um, it wasn't like how what typically happens with couples uh, who get into polyamory is that they've been monogamous with each other for a mm-hmm. time and they have that foundation and then they kind of open it up. Right. Like that's the typical narrative. And we didn't have that. I didn't have that in this relationship. It didn't start like that. So I communicated that to him and it was, you could say it was kind of like an ultimatum, but, but it wasn't, it was like, it was his choice. Like, this is how I feel. And he, he, uh, agreed to, to be with me, like to give up that poly dating to be with me. And, and then, and that kind of cemented our commitment. And then we continued to explore a lot together. And throughout our relationship, we had, um, a couple of triad relationships and some, a few solo excursions, but, but mostly not dating other people separately. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the movie is just really, um, just takes it to the point of where the Daniel character is not able to provide that. So that's, that does not, yeah, is not able to, to give that to Veronica at the end. And, and she has to learn how to be with herself. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate all of that. And I, what's so, what's really interesting for me is you, we, we often talk to people who, who express like, man, opening up a 20 or 10 or 30, whatever number of year marriage into polyamory is we often get sort of the side that that is quote unquote harder, mm. right? It's harder to say, we, we've, we've been doing this. We've been just cruising along for 20 years and everything's been gravy. And now we opened our relationship and look at all these problems that we uncovered. Mm. Or often I think people say, well, look at what polyamory is causing. It's Mm. causing these problems instead of uncovering them. Mm -hmm. And, and you're coming at it from the other side of saying, I, we started open, we started with this dynamic but then it was the challenge of how do you build security? How do you express commitment? How do you, mm-hmm. 
how do you solidify that relationship with all of this also happening around and, and almost can you do it? And I think that's really, it's, it's really amazing to hear sort of the other side of that, that, that for you, it was a struggle to, to nail down that security with all this other sort of noise Mm -hmm. in the, in the space with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, you know, it's, it's safe. It's safe to have all that control where you're, you know, just keep people in their little boxes and you have all your partners and they're, um, but then when there's someone with whom you're, there's more depth, not, not to say that, that I didn't have like intimacy with the other partners, but, um, when you're really going, going deep with someone and yeah, it's important to have that that foundation mm-hmm. of trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just for anyone listening, like I'm not saying it's not possible to do, to, to create that, but mm-hmm. it, in, in your experience, that was not something you were able to necessarily do. And yeah. the other thing I just wanted to touch on was you had said like, well, it wasn't an ultim- ultimatum, but I, you know, actually one but thing she shared. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. From just a few minutes ago. Yeah. But you know, one thing that the film does that I, that I loved was it, you bring up boundaries quite a bit and there's a few points where it's like, well, I'm going to go to the club this weekend and your partner's like, well, just, you know, respect our boundaries. And you're mm-hmm. like, yep, I got, you know, and so that's first of all, something that doesn't get talked about in films a lot, yeah. which is amazing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a conversation we actually had with our therapist a couple months back was around ultimatums. And I was like, well, I don't want to like create an ultimatum with this boundary. And, and she was like, well, you know, sometimes boundaries can result in an ultimatum. And mm-hmm. I think there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. If you're like, Hey, I'm not capable of doing this thing. Mm-hmm. You can do this thing, but if you're going to do this thing, I can't be with you. Right. Right. And so it is really up to the other person to say, okay, I now know what the stakes are. I can, I can go do this. Right. I, I'm a vegan and my partner wants to go to a, a steakhouse. Mm-hmm. I can't be with you. I can't go to dinner with you if you want to go to a steakhouse. So the ultimatum is set, like either pick a different restaurant mm-hmm. or go to dinner by yourself. Yeah. And so, or with someone else. Or someone else. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well played on the nominee. <laughs> so I had to, I had to scream but, No, I just, so I just wanted to, to point out analogy. That, that you know, boundaries can result in ultimatums, and it and it sounds like that's sort of where you got, and that you then had the opportunity to kind of come back and create that foundation, and then start exploring from a different place together. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it, it made it, it made our explorations much more satisfying, satisfying because I wasn't in anxiety, uh, so much. I mean, of course there were moments of that and always had to be renegotiating and, Mm -hmm. but yeah, when you're trying trying to be non-monogamous with someone with and there's you don't feel like secure attachment, that's just yep. really a recipe for a lot of suffering. Yeah, for yeah, sure. a lot of hurt. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And and what did I guess maybe reflecting back on that relationship or just non-monogamy, your trajectory through non-monogamy, like what what have you sort of learned about yourself or how have you seen yourself grow through this process mm. yeah i mean so much um 
that the part of my life that inspired the film, it was more that, well, I learned that I really needed to learn how to be secure within myself, most importantly. And, you know, you can't really fully love someone else if you don't love yourself. And, you know, I learned that I, I do tend to do better when, um, when the exploration is, uh, with a primary partner. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I did enjoy being with other people without him, but I somehow I could not seem to handle him doing the same thing. So there's, and I, I, I didn't want to be, have it be a double standard like that. Mm -hmm. But, um, but you know, I've always wondered if part of the reason why I felt so threatened by whatever he was doing without me is because of my attachment, my insecure attachment, you know, from childhood. And that the more that I, you know, focus on nurturing myself and cultivating, you know, security within myself, maybe I would be more able to handle that in the future. Yeah. It's just so much to learn. It's, it's like, it's also, I learned that, Oh, if I, if I'm with someone like the same or, same night that he's with someone else, then it's okay. But if it goes badly for me and it goes well for him, then it's not okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, so it's a lot of, you know, on the one hand, it's way more advanced than most people who can't even handle their partner, like looking at someone else or flirting with someone else. Right. Mm -hmm. But I have tended to be very self-critical, like being around polyamorous people for so long where it's like, Oh, why can't I do this? Why can't I do that? Why am I, why can't I be okay with that? Right. Yep. Yeah. The gold standard is you never feel jealousy because a proper poly person would never get jealous. Right. right? It's, it's just, just compersion, only compersion. <laughs> and it's yeah. just not, not a reality. So yeah. I appreciate the vul vulnerability. Stephanie. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. Thank you. Yeah. I, I think it, maybe for me brings up a question of what, like, what do you want moving forward? If you were to sort of hand sculpt, if you, if you were to make a documentary about your future relationship, <laughs> that you got to, then you got to live it out. What would it look like? Well, maybe before we get there, mm -hmm. like, I know you've mentioned kind of where, can you just touch on where you're at right now? You kind of, you mentioned you're separated, yeah. but what does your relationship looks status look like right now where you're at? And then where do you want to go? Yeah. Right now it's focusing on relationship with myself because I, um, I'm not ready to, to date other people, new people. I'm, I'm not ready to even have sex with other people. I'm grieving the loss of my marriage and this person I still love very deeply and not even sure if in the future we may be together again, but I have been having visions of like, you know, maybe 
like if he and I were to be together again, maybe we would have other partners and then we would kind of come together in that context where we restart a relationship while we have other partners. Like how interesting would that be? Um, right. Uh, or I'm also because, um, I was married to a cis man and, uh, most, you know, throughout our relationship, most of my interest has been polyamorous wise, like being with women. I think at, at this point when I feel ready, I would only want to date women or uh, other genders, not cis men. This is how I feel right now. It's like, I've done that. I'm not really drawn yeah. to it. I would maybe, you know, I'm not opposed to it, but I just wouldn't pursue it. Like if I were to sign up for dating sites, I would probably not select sure. that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm just trying to stay open hearted, focus on myself and my own healing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can de definitely appreciate that. I mean, especially if it's, if it's a relatively recent sort of heartbreak and, mm -hmm. and thing you're going through, like to, to be out there. Yeah. Like, well, you know, the next day you're out on the dating apps and I know maybe some people that's a, a good strategy for like rebounding or whatever, mm. but it's not, Does for, that work for everybody? not work for everybody. Yeah. I don't think it even works for anyone to be honest. Cause it's, no. just, it's just like, it's, it's just numbing the pain really. And mm -hmm. it's not allowing yourself to fully feel and grieve, which is necessary for healing. And so I'm not interested in the rebounds. I did that when I was younger you know yeah for sure i i would agree to that that i some people can do, how about this some people can do it yes. other people can and it who the the jury is out on whether it's a a, a, a healthy strategy right <laughs> yeah i think it's kind of in the same um pot as getting into substances you know sure. it's just kind like a distraction or like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, becoming consumed with work or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of the chemicals that get released during sex are <laughs> very similar to the ones released, you know, all those other in, times in yeah. drug, during yes. you know, drug use. So yes. it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. When you're seeking that out. Yeah. yeah. I was curious if you could talk a little bit about your uh, journey with being open in the world with your family and friends. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming that you are <laughs> based on the fact that you made a, a film. Yeah. So I had to just, if you could touch on, on that journey and what that experience has been like for you. Yeah. I, and it came out to my parents as bisexual when I was 30. I think it was before I met my separated husband. <laughs> um, you know, what to call him now. <laughs> I was in a relationship with a woman and I felt like it was time to tell my parents that because I didn't know, yeah, it felt kind of serious, like it could be serious. So, and it was, you know, it, I didn't have like a, a traumatic ex coming out experience where they like kicked me out of the family or anything like that, but it was not very well received. And you know, since then I've just, yeah, I just, I think because I felt so empowered around it, like I didn't have any trouble 
expressing it. I didn't feel any need to hide it. My career did not, there was no, no reason to, to hide it. Like I, this is my expression as a person as part of my art. So I never felt like, Oh, I need to like keep this private. Mm-hmm. But also like people yeah. don't need to know details like graphic details. Like I wrote a sex and relationship column for an alternative weekly newspaper years ago about these experiences, which, you know, I kind of gave to the character Veronica, but she has a blog. And at that time, you know, I had some fans and sometimes people just want to know too much or they just, they don't Mm -hmm. understand the boundaries of like, just because I write about this doesn't, doesn't, make you entitled to ask certain questions. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. People feel like, Oh, well you're putting this much out on the internet or in whatever and or wherever. And then that must mean you can, I can ask you anything. Yeah. And it's like, well, you can ask me anything. I'm not going to answer anything. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Which is kind of, I I touch on that in the movie, the the scene with the, the, the guy on the street who, Mm -hmm. the fan who approaches her with the, with a question. <laughs> yeah. Can I, can I get a selfie? Yeah. So, yeah. I love that. I'm, I'm, and I think maybe like, if, if you're okay talking a little bit to like moving towards, I don't know, I'm mean, some curiosities about like filmmaking, because I think mm-hmm. what you just kind of touched on led into a question for me of, you said like, well, people don't need to know all of the nitty gritty details. So when you're, when you're making a film like this, you're, you're sort of out to your family, you know, probably at a high level. And now you're making a film that is, is fairly graphic and, Uh and intense, like, you know, within 30 seconds, there's a pretty, pretty intense, you know, sexual scene. And as you're, as you're creating this, how do you personally find the line of, what do I want to include? What do I want to keep out knowing that this isn't a, this isn't a basement movie that, you mm-hmm. know, no one's ever going to see. Like mm-hmm. your parents are probably going to see it, your family, your, mm-hmm. you know, potentially kids in the future. Mm-hmm. So h- how do you draw that line for yourself? Yeah. Well, I, I wanted it to be realistic without being gratuitous. Mm-hmm. And it was a, really important for me to, have the sex scenes feel authentic and real and not like this is a sex scene in a movie yeah. where like I can't show breasts, you know? Mm-hmm. So and to find actors who were okay with the nudity, a certain level degree of nudity. And in terms of like what, I mean, I knew, I knew I didn't want to be, you know, show genitals, like have close ups of genitals, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like that is not important to the story. Sure. I've seen some erotic films that are like porn, but they have story. You know, they're usually directed by women. Mm -hmm. These types of erotic films that they're like a hybrid between porn and and narrative. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I really, I, I, I admire movies like that when they're well done. But I also, I wanted this to be more accessible to reach more people mm-hmm. and to be like, have, have the sex serve the story. 
more mm-hmm. than to titillate the audience and not to say that the audience would not be titillated like yay great to right. be titillated but but it's it's really about how can how can these sex scenes move the story forward not like let's pause and let's pause the story have a sex scene. yeah like <laughs> it, right right so how can the yeah. sex also tell the story so that yeah. is comes through the 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 blocking and and how it's shot what what do we need to see orgasm or not like what it yeah, all these questions come up. And then, and then to answer your question about uh, in terms of like what I want people to see, like family and stuff, you know, I wasn't even sure my parents would be interested in seeing it because they're so conservative and, but they did watch it and, and they, like I had warned them. I, I was like, you know, I understand if you don't want to watch it, there's a lot of sex in it. I'm in these sex scenes. And my mom said my dad was very uncomfortable, but she watched it at, you know, like kind of looking at it as this is a character. This is not my daughter. This is a character. So she kind of convinced herself and was able to, to, to watch it and appreciate it through that lens. And then anyone else, you know, I would just tell people, I would just be very upfront. I'd be like, yeah, I made this movie just so you know, it's really sexual. Uh, I'm in a lot of sex scenes. Um, just letting you know, there's a lot of sex in it. So you just, yeah. you know, you don't have to watch it, but if you do watch right. it, you're going to see this. Stuff. Yeah. So just like, just you know, just letting people know, and then they have the choice. Well, I, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I appreciate that, and and I think so. So first of all, I I appreciated that, like the way you described the sex scenes, they weren't. It wasn't like something's happening, and then all of a sudden it's a musical montage right. of like three minutes of you know a sex dance and then it pops back into like real life. Like it is very much blended in. I think part of the, what I was kind of working towards too, was even just like, let's say you you have a conversation with your parents and you're like, yeah, you know, we're, I'm non-monogamous. And they're like, great. That's all I need to know. I don't need to know the details. And now you're like, and here's a film of me going (laughs) to a sex club. And this is what it looks like. Like you, you actually filmed inside of a sex club and there are some scenes with, you know, 10, 20 people in them where it's, it's pretty true to life. You know, having been to a number of these myself, it's, it's fairly accurately portrayed. And so there's a difference between I do non-monogamy and, and somebody being like, cool, got it. I don't need the details versus like, here's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And whether there was nudity or not, you, you really sh- chose to like give people a deep look into like that world that you lived for, for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was super important to me to, to portray Mm -hmm. that, that world as authentically as possible within the the confines of, uh, you know, narrative film space, not documentary. And Mm -hmm. so the way we went about that was to, to invite people from the community to participate as extras Mm-hmm. And so it really did feel like a real, those party scenes felt like real parties because there were a lot of people who had attended parties like that, who were in the scenes. And then one of, one of the sex scenes, I mean, one, one of the party scenes, so, um, there were, we did actually film people having sex and maybe you wouldn't know watching the film. 
maybe you would think like, oh, that's all simulated. Most of the sex in the film is simulated, but there was one scene where um, sex was actually happening only with the extras, never with the principal uh, actors. Characters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, some, some things are too hard to fake. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Uh, maybe an orgy is one of those. No, no simulated orgies. Now, when anyone watches the film, they're going to be looking for that extra scene of like, <laughs> yeah, who right. are the people actually having sex? Yeah, right. Uh-huh. I, I just appreciate the conversation, Stephanie, because it's, you know, I, even for us, right, you know, we put we put just conversations out there about this. And it's often a, a challenge for us to say, what do we say? What don't we say? Because, you know, some of our close friends listen, we've had family members listen. Mm-hmm. And so it's, what do you, how, how much do you show behind the curtain? Mm-hmm. And for you to do that, and not only for you to do that, but for you to be the lead in that story, in that narrative, I'm, I'm blown away and impressed. And so I appreciate the work Thank you. you've done. Yes. Um, Yes, very much so. Yeah. Thank you. And I, I think, too, the the importance that it was for you to make it true to life, right? And there wasn't like hey, you pop out at the end and you're like, yep, and polyamory is the most amazing thing. <laughs> it was like, no, like polyamory is hard and, and so is monogamy. And yeah. so Relationships like, are hard. Yeah. I think that's kind of the, the message. Of, yeah. It's not, it, yeah. For sure. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to make a film that's like a PSA for polyamory. You know, I didn't want to make a film that's, you know, saying polyamory is better than monogamy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just wanted to make a film that was true to my experience. And some poly people maybe won't like it because there aren't a lot of polyamory films out there. So they probably want to see films that are more, um, yeah, that are more positive or, or that are, don't show the dark side. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, but I think the, you know, the positive pieces for me is, are that, right. We all learn, we all learn who we are. We all learn our strengths and weaknesses and what we need to our, our blind spots. And that life is a journey. Yeah. <laughs> and, yes. <laughs> and this was just another, it was just another way to do a relationship and you could step back and be like, well, if she, only she'd been monogamous, she wouldn't have had these problems. Right. And it's like, no, yeah, you point me, point me to a movie about monogamy that doesn't have right. Or point me to a relationship that's yeah. monogamous that doesn't have challenges or, you know, potential infidelities or jealousy. And so I, I, just, I appreciate the, the approach and and everything you've done with it so yeah you can't really i mean no one really i think no one really wants to watch a movie that doesn't have conflict you need conflict and drama to to, to, even even in romantic comedy right there needs to be the stakes of is this going to work or not you know the that tension needs to be there otherwise like what are you watching like why are you watching you're not you're not you get it (laughs) hook the hook the watcher in like yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 exactly yeah. i love it stephanie thank you so much for this conversation is there anything i know i'm sure we could continue talking <laughs> for hours but is is there anything else that you'd like to get out there right now yeah i'd love like the listeners to check out my film uh <laughs> and you know feel free to 
reach out to me if you have any questions or if there's something that particularly moved you about it. And in your own explorations, just um, follow your heart. I, I, I think that whatever relationship path you choose, that uh, you have to be true to yourself first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it can be really easy to get lost in that, whether it's well within any relationship or mm-hmm. your job or, mm-hmm. you know, just about any aspect of life. And so coming back to you is so important. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. We will of course have links in the show notes to where people can go and find the film. Again, Emma and I watched it last night. Highly, highly recommend it. It was a very, very much so. It was a, it was a great film and um, we're excited that you reached out and sent it to us and are here speaking with us. So just again, thank you. Thank you so much, Emma and Finn for having me. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. I'll have a wonderful day and we will, we'll, we'll catch you on the sequel. Great. (laughs) Thank you. And we're back. A huge thank you to Stephanie for all of the amazing, amazing work that you do and for coming on and sharing your story, being vulnerable with us. We had such a great time chatting and we're excited to get this out there. Yeah, I'm excited for my uh, cameo in the next film and the sequel. (laughs) It's called Lust, Life, Love, Finn. (laughs) Okay. But then people get confused. They'll think it means end. Right, because Finn and Sen, yeah. yeah. In French. Uh-huh. So we'll, we'll be done talking about this. Okay. The whole point is, thank you, Stephanie, uh, f- for coming on and sharing your story with us, being vulnerable, and for putting out the work you did into the world. We appreciate it. And the work that you do. And the work you continue to do. Yes. And for the sequel. <laughs> A couple of quick reminders. Tonight, not tonight, tomorrow night, that is December 29th, 2022, we have a virtual meet and greet. These are awesome. They're open to anyone. You just must be open-minded and respectful. You can sign up on our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Click on the events tab. And if you happen to miss the December event, don't worry, we'll have another one in January. And another reminder that we do have an in-person community-only event on January 28th in the San Francisco Bay Area on that weekend. We would love to have you join us. You just need to join the community to be part of that. True story. Which is only five bucks a month. True story. So I think that's I think that's it. I had another thought. What? We're at the end, so we can do whatever we want. True. And we know there's a handful of you who are like the most dedicated of dedicated listeners. Who listen to all the way to the end. So we have another request besides sending us that testimonial you were going to send us from the intro. Yep. If you go on to your favorite podcast player app, you know, the iTunes or the Spotify, and you leave us a review. Yeah. Totally free, takes you about three minutes, and it makes a big difference for us. So it that, does. that could be your holiday gift to us, your New Year's gift to us is doing this. Yes. We would love it and we'd appreciate it. Yes, yeah, so much. Also, I was reflecting over the last two minutes about the the name of the sequel. Oh jeez, as I was talking. And I think I think it actually really works, but it's kind of dark, right? Because Finn means end. Yeah. So it's basically you got the love, the lust. Lost first, uh huh. Life, uh-huh. love, and then it's silver. Finn. Finn. Yeah, it's kind of depressing. Kind of dark. <laughs> I like Stephanie's original title better. Well, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Sorry. Sorry, I threw this out there, Stephanie. All right. 
<laughs> enough, enough of my shenanigans. Next week, we've got another conversation. We do. This will be the first one of 2023. Yay. We're uh, not telling people what it is, though, are It's we? with Lara and John, and it's another super fun conversation. As always, we can't wait to get it out there. And until then, have a happy new year, and we will see you all next week. And next year. And next year. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.